You are listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD. I am Dr. Javed Butler, and joining me to talk about ejection fraction and heart failure is Dr. Fayez Zanad, Emeritus Professor of Cardiology at University of Lorraine in Nancy, France. Fayez, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. So, Dr. Zanad, let's just start with some background here. What can you tell us about the relationship between heart failure and ejection fraction? Yeah, well, that's a very good and timely question. But traditionally, we have been very much obsessed about systole and diastole. And uh, we have been very much dividing heart failure in two different conditions, which are systolic heart failure and diastolic heart failure. But these were the old time, right? And ejection fraction is not the ideal way to distinguish between systolic and diastolic dysfunction, because even in uh, systolic dysfunction and uh, low ejection fraction, you have some sort of diastolic dysfunction and vice versa. So it's very important that we distinguish the systolic and diastolic from ejection fraction, which is not a depiction of systolic and diastolic dysfunction. And ejection fraction actually came into play uh, early in the development of heart failure medication. And actually, if any, it was an invention of trialists because uh, basically ejection fraction is a risk condition, a risk marker, and thereby low ejection fraction patients have a higher risk. And this was really granted uh, and, and a great uh, idea for trialists in order to decrease the sample size and increase the uh, event rate. And therefore, we started doing much of the heart failure drug research, and by the way, devices as well, in patients with low ejection fraction. So if any, initially, we've been using ejection fraction just as a risk marker and more so in the trials in order to increase the risk and event rate. But then from there, because we have had so many successes in heart failure with low ejection fraction, it has become really very fashionable to have uh, HEFREF and HEFPEF, heart failure with re- reduced ejection fraction and heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. And really the divide was even more emphasized by this discrepancy between a very large body of evidence of medication which were very effective in HEFREF and almost nothing in HEFPEF. So we perpetuated this divide, but heart failure is a continuum, and you may progressively go from one to another. You may have a heart failure with preserved ejection fraction short after a myocardial infarction, and if the heart remodels in a bad way, you may end up by heart failure with reduced ejection fraction. The contrary may also occur in patients with reduced ejection fraction. They may recover. So that's a really good sort of a historical background of how we got to where we are today. Can you give us a little bit of a guidance at what ejection fraction do you define heart failure with reduced versus preserved ejection fraction and and what proportion of heart failure is each? Yeah, well, this is a very challenging question because as I've mentioned, ejection fraction is a continuum and uh, if you uh, screen a heart failure patient and you log the ejection fraction in graph, you will end up by a normal distribution. And therefore, uh, there is no cutoff whereby you are HEFREF or HEFREF patients. And therefore, the definition came actually from the trials. Most of the trials of HEFREF enrolled patients with ejection fraction below 35%. And some of them had enrolled patients at 40%. And therefore, HEFREF usually is defined by an ejection fraction below 35 to 40. Now, when it comes to HEFREF, 
This is much more complex because no trial was positive so far, and the diastologists and hepat specialists agreed to disagree, and there is no single cutoff. And because of this, and because of the gap of evidence and some evidence in patients with ejection fraction between 35, 40, and 50, people have created a new category, which is called HEFMRAF, mildly reduced ejection fraction. But again, this is a continuum, and the frequency of uh, HEFMRAF appeared to be declining as a result of better treatment of acute coronary syndromes. And indeed, there are many more ischemic heart disease in HEFRAF than in HEFBAF. Now, uh, usually the distribution is 50-50, but it is likely that uh, there will be more than 50% of HEFBAF in the future because of the uh, failure to prevent HEFBAF post-acute coronary syndrome as efficiently as preventing HEFRAF on the one side, and on the other hand, the aging of the population, which produces more frequent half-bath. So can you give us a brief overview of what medical therapies are available today for the management of patients with heart failure, and how does that relate to ejection fraction? Most of the evidence and certainly of positive trials were in the HEFREF space. And we have RAS inhibitors and Valsartan, beta blockers, mineral receptor antagonists, and more recently, SGLT2 inhibitors. By the way, the guidelines in HEFREF are almost all of them for these four categories of medication 1A, I mean, the strength of evidence A and the strength of recommendation 1. This is to be contrasted to the HEFPAF situation where the evidence is uh, at best circumstantial so far with some sort of evidence with uh, mineral receptor antagonists and potentially with uh, uh, secondary valsartan because the trial were not 100% convincing and the magnitude of benefit was kind of 7 or 8% improvement in outcomes. But uh, what is most striking is the recent uh, building evidence of, uh, from AGF to two inhibitors and, and, and this is where the future is because we have got now medication which may be actually effective across all the spectrum of ejection fraction. So can you expand that on a little bit more about this whole SGLT2 inhibitor? Are you saying that you would recommend this therapy across the range of ejection fraction if you have the syndrome of heart failure? Yes, I really would like to emphasize this very much because it's a very important recent later development in this space because we have emperor reduced and DAPA-HF, which has demonstrated a very strong benefit, cardiac and renal, by the way, down to an EGFR of 20. So uh, that we have now a very strong evidence, which has prompted this class of drug becoming grade 1A recommendation in half-ref. But recently we have emperor preserved, which actually exactly mimicked the result of emperor reduced with the same kind of benefit on cardiovascular outcomes and renal outcomes. So one wonder, why are we considering patients in categories of HEFRAF or HEFPAP because emperor reduced and emperor preserved elected to enroll patients with adjacent ejection fraction. So this is covering the whole spectrum of ejection fraction without any gap. And it happens that these drugs are effective across all the spectrum of ejection fraction. For those just joining in, you are listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, 
I am Dr. Javed Butler, and I'm speaking with Dr. Fayez Zanat about ejection fraction and heart failure. Can you briefly tell us about the safety and tolerability of these therapies across the range of ejection fraction? You mentioned that for some therapies, the benefit seems to be more with lower ejection fraction. With SGLT2 inhibitor, there were comparable primary endpoint results in both heart failure with reduced and preserved ejection fraction. Now, what about safety and tolerability across the range of ejection fraction? Thank you for asking this question because this is also another important breakthrough with the class of SGLT2 inhibitors because these are drugs which are used at one single dose once a day and with almost a very little safety concern as compared to the other categories of drug, whether it is RAS inhibitors, Satan, MRA, or beta blockers, whereby you need to start low and go slow with uptitration and, you know, much the hurdles related to the use of this medication, which actually is the main reason of their underuse and under-prescription and uh, uh, suboptimal titration with all these medications. Now, we have got a class of drug, SGLT2 inhibitors, where the safety is really very, very uh, favorable. And there is hardly any need to monitor ejection fraction uh, or EGFR or uh, uh, potassium, if any, uh, there are hints that actually there are fewer hyperkalemia when using these drugs together with, uh, with, with MRAs, for example, and, and, and also renal function, because if any, these drugs are also renal protective. So indeed, we have got a drug, a class of drug, which is effective across all spectrum of, EGF, of, of ejection fraction, but also for EGFR, by the way, because in both trials, patients were enrolled with an EGFR down to 20, and therefore the subgroup analysis across all the spectrum of CKD showed that the benefit was consistent and safety was not uh, uh, an issue at all. So we really expect that the implementation of this class drug should be very straightforward. So the safety and tolerability is comparable across the range of ejection fractions in HEFREF and HEFPEF? Absolutely. There is no specific side effects in HEFREF and HEFPEF from this class of drug. The only persistent signal, and it's not only in heart failure, but also in diabetes trial, is genital infection. The numbers are very small, but there was a persistent excess of the genital infection with this class of drug in all types of patients. So Fayez, we are almost out of time. So I will give you the last word. Do you have any final thoughts to share? And what do you think is the role of ejection fraction in 2021 then? Well, I really would like that what we've monitored over the last few years put less emphasis of the ejection fraction-centric view of cardiology. And this will liberate the creativity of heart failure specialists as to look at heart failure in different ways. And I am sure that there are many more interesting phenotyping and stratification of heart failure than simply on ejection fraction. And this would potentially prompt more interesting research in better understanding this disease. Well, that was both informative and provocative. And with those thoughts in mind, I want to thank you, Dr. Zanad, for sharing your insights on ejection fraction and heart failure. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much. And for ReachMD, I am Dr. Javed Butler. To access this and other episodes in our series, visit reachmd.com slash heartmatters where you can be part of the knowledge. Thanks for listening.